0: Hello and welcome to episode 58 of the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast with me, Ian Luke-Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community and a place where we delve into all sorts of improv topics. And today, our guest is the fantastic improviser and -and up-and-coming stand-up comedian, Melina Fiol. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher and wherever else you get your podcasts. We're even available on Amazon Podcasts, which means you can ask Alexa to play the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a five star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and help get our name out there. Now it's time to go off script and find out Melina's true story about making stuff up. And please welcome this week's guest, Melina. Welcome, Melina.
1: Hello. Hi, Ian.
0: I'm super excited about having you on the show and having a chat because you're someone that seems to be making real waves on the the improv and the comedy scene right now. And I am just really keen to talk to you about all things improv and all things comedy.
1: Honestly, I'm so excited to be here. I could talk about improv comedy all day. So the only difference is that someone's recording it this time. So I'm excited.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So um, I often like to start just by asking, how did you get into improv comedy? So how did you?
1: you know what like I bet a few people would have answered this on the podcast but it was after the lockdown after the pandemic which was still in the pandemic but after the the big lockdowns it was 2021 so last year I was actually living alone and working from home and I realized my mental health was bad um and then I just wasn't in a good place and then we started integrating back into working from the office and I found that I really struggled with talking to people (laughs) and like being engaged in conversations or I'd, I'd get into like um monologuing rather than actually like listening to what people were saying and I was all at the same time I was looking for a hobby because of course when you live alone like when it's a pandemic it's quite difficult yeah. <laughs> because you don't go out with less to do and so it was either foster a cat <laughs> or look into something that was going to help um with my social skills and I've always wanted to do stand-up comedy and at this stage I've never done it and I thought that improv would be perfect because it would help me get feel ready to perform, but also connect with other people and interact with people and make new friends. Um, and that was it, really. So it was something that was kind of firsthand to help with my own well-being and to help with my own state of mind. And then secondhand to help with hopefully a future comedy career. Um, and it was just the perfect kind of marriage of the two like needs in my life at the time.
0: So were you aware of Liverpool Comedy Improv before you had the idea or did you have the idea and then start to search and see what was out there?
1: Well, actually, I had the idea first and I Googled Liverpool Comedy Improv because I was looking for Liverpool Comedy Improv. So great branding on um, Emma Bird's um, terms, who who runs Liverpool Comedy Improv. So I Googled Liverpool Comedy Improv, first thing that came up and I read through the pages and I just um, I just uh, signed up immediately.
0: (laughs) And how long was it from the, the signing up process to going to your first session?
1: You know what? It was probably about four weeks or so.
0: Okay. So
1: I think because um like there were two there were two beginners courses, which is what I jumped on, and one of them was sold out and then they had they started another one. Something like that. Um so it wasn't very long, but it was enough time for me to look into improv and get excited.
0: So your first session was a beginner session, so you knew everyone else was at the same level as you.
1: Yes. And it's weird because in life there's not many um experiences where you're all in the same boat as people. So in that first class, we were going around talking about why we wanted to do improv, and um, everyone's everyone's reasoning was completely different. We all came there for different reasons, but everyone agreed that they were there. They did want to meet new people, and they were open to uh, like making friends and having something to do on a Thursday night. And so it was really nice because um, if when you when you do live alone as well, and you spend time with people. Um, not to get too heavy on union, Ian, um, <laughs> there's always, um, somewhere for people to be, you know, especially a single person like me, um, people might have like families and lives or jobs in the evening, different things yeah. to do. It was quite nice that we were all there to, everyone was in that room to get to know each other, which I think made us strong as an improv group, but yes, it was a beginner's class. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was, um, we started from the very basics, like from the, from the yes ands and, um. She kind of guided us through it. Like we, a few people had done a drop-in session. Like people had done a bit of improv, but every, no one had had much experience, and there were a few people who hadn't done any before. So yeah,
0: yeah. Because I, when I started my first sessions, they were drop-in sessions, and I was turning ah. up just, and I was just assuming that everybody else. I've been doing it for years and we're all going to be like Um, pros. So I was kind of nervous going into it. But then you learn very quickly that these drop in sessions, they're full of some people, yes, that have been doing it for years, but then others that are just as new as you. mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter how long anyone's been doing it because the people in the improv world are just the nicest people.
1: Yes. And that's the nature of improv, isn't it? Of course, it's going to be welcoming to everyone. That's the whole point. No one's going to know because a newbie. Um,
0: (laughs) And I think. I'm a big Who's Line fan, Who's Line's It Anyway, and I think lots of people think of improv and they think of Who's Line's It Anyway, and they forget. Uh, so when I recently interviewed Laura Hall, she was telling me about all of the things that you don't see, like all of the things that get cut out because that's a TV show and they're trying to make it slick. Uh, because a TV audience is different to a live audience. And I was just like, yeah, that makes so much sense and she said the amount of stuff that they record that just never makes it to air Uh, and that's because everything has to be slick so when you are thinking oh i want to get into improv i know what whose lines it anyway is you think everything is just 100 percent spot on all the time but then when you actually start going to sessions you realize oh actually there's there's a lot to be said for getting it wrong and failing and, and learning from those mistakes and moving on
1: definitely definitely and it's not as um like cutthroat of stand-up comedy I guess because there's there's like scenes in which like for stand-up if you're not getting a laugh that's like a like a failure I guess but in um improvisational in in, in I can't say, I've been doing this for months now I can't say the phrase improvisational comedy Woo! um <laughs> there's that um if you're doing a scene there's room to let the scene grow um and that's really interesting um and it doesn't have to be that slick for it to be entertaining
0: and I'm really keen to talk to you about your stand-up comedy stuff as well and the fact that you do stand-up and improv because there are lots of comedians that the thought of improv really scares them. And that surprises me because surely when you're on a stage, you need to be in a position where, oh, if it's not going the way that you've written it and you have planned it, you must be able to turn it on the spot and turn it around. And improv is surely the perfect tool for that.
1: Exactly. And there's there quite a few comedians. And I'm going to share this podcast because um, quite a few comedians who kind of make fun of me for the improv. But then th- I go on stage and I do some, and I talk to the crowd and, I, and I'm really quick on my feet. And then they ask me after the show how I'm able to do that. But then they're the same people who have made fun of me for doing improv like on my days <laughs> off. And I found that um, when I was looking up improv, it just seemed like a really natural step towards stand up. Just because, like you say, you're having to think on your feet and being in a position where that you're not ready for. So whether that is like where you're talking to the crowd, you're doing some crowd work, whether you're emceeing um, and you're hosting and you're talking to the crowd, or whether you get heckler, um, and that ability to um, turn it on its head, or sometimes you'll be um, on stage and the crowd won't react to a joke the way they think it, the way that you think it's going to, that, 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 yeah. and a crowd won't react to a joke the way that you. I could do my improv skills right now Ian <laughs> the crowd <laughs> won't react to a joke the way that you thought they would there we go um and then just kind of moving the situation along rather than letting it block you taking the situation and thinking new choice like as quick as yeah possible or um going yes and and um in one of my improv classes my teacher Jen Hardy um she may have been on the the podcast she's been I'm on sure. yeah yes brilliant um she once said to me I was being too confrontational in a scene and I didn't need to be because we were doing um a game it was like peas in a pod where two people kind of mirror each other and I found that being confrontational is where I fail when I'm talking to the crowd and stand up because <laughs> that's not my personality and if I'm being confrontational to the audience they're not going to be on my side and you need them on your side to laugh at you because um even if um you're material isn't landing well if the audience are on your side you can always save it and if you're being confrontational not going to work and so I always have my teacher's voice in my head (laughs) going um (laughs) new choice if a joke is a landing or um um, peas in a pod if I want the audience on my side and taking the scene and like not the scene but when you're on stage you could say it's a scene (laughs) taking the scenario I'm in and moving it forward and moving it along rather than um blocking myself and. yeah, it's really, it's been so helpful and it's made me feel ready to do stand-up. Whereas I think a lot of people, and it's fine, and it's, it's the way you learn, they they know they wanna do stand-up, but they go straight on stage and they don't really do any like um, like, research or any classes or anything. And that's absolutely fine. Um, whereas I found that doing an improv course was more valuable for me than doing like a stand-up course yeah. because um, everyone has their own like style and sense of humor, but with improv skills, you are going to learn to be quick on your feet. You are going to learn to move a scene forwards um, and interact with people um, in a way that can be funny and entertaining. And um, it's really helped with um, things like hecklers. <laughs> uh, someone who's um, this is an audio podcast. Um, so you won't be able to tell this. But someone who's a five foot two Asian woman um, on stage or on her own. Um, it's given me like the, the like bravery to like deal with these strangers. You know, because it's um, just, it can be scary going on stage. It's something I've always wanted to do. It doesn't mean it's not scary. And so for me to know that I can go up there and improvise on my own, even if I'm just doing material for five, 10 minutes, I know I've got the skill set to deal with whatever comes at me. Because, yeah. And that's because of improv, you know? Definitely made uh, me a better comedian.
0: Well, that's really cool to hear. Now, I've got a little theory about mm. improv and comedy and I'd like to run it past you just to, to see because you do both. So I always, as a performer, I, I always think, you know, pleasing the audience is, mm-hmm. is like the number one priority. And to me, I think improv is all about pleasing the audience because you're getting suggestions from them and it's their show. No one else is ever going to see that show again. It, it's just a show for them, that audience at that moment. Even if you're with the same troupe, you're going to go do other gigs. No gig is ever the same. But with comedy, it's a bit like being a, a songwriter and a performer that way. So I used to be mm-hmm. in a band. I used to write my songs. I used to write our set lists out. We'd go, we'd play this mm-hmm. pretty much the same set list everywhere we went, playing the same songs. And in doing that, especially when you are playing your own songs,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it's great that the crowd are into it. But you're really just pleasing yourself because this is my song that I'm playing to people and I'm playing the same stuff everywhere I go. And it's very pleasing to me. So yes, the audience might be enjoying it, but you are pleasing yourself. Whereas improv, I think it truly is aimed at pleasing the audience. So what do you think about that?
1: That is really interesting. I think, yeah, and you know what? That's a really interesting theory, and I've not thought about that before, and I think that's so true. Um, Because I have a friend who is in a a band, a quite successful um, indie band in Liverpool, shout out to Polar States, and we always compare notes about um, their gigs and my gigs, and it's quite interesting, like hearing how they feel, because it is about like pleasing themselves and performing. And I think, and I think the stand-up comedy, because it's it's like the purest, one of the purest art forms, if not the purest, because it's just one person on stage with a mic stand. Um, it could, I reckon, it could fall somewhere anywhere between those two lines. So you have um stand-up comedians who um, to be honest, yeah, a lot of stand-up comedians, I think it's definitely more along the the musician side of things. And like, for example, they'll have their set list. I write my set list out, but I leave gaps for like crowd work, but they'll have their set list out and then they'll perform it. Some people perform it the exact same way every time once they've nailed it. And then if the crowd aren't enjoying it, they'll go, well, that was a bad crowd then. <laughs> or um, or they'll, they'll know they had a shaky day. They'll go, well, that was bad because of this, this and this. Um, they won't necessarily think about making the audience laugh. It's very much, oh, I've got to do my show, this set list this way. Um, but I think that comedy I enjoy personally is closer to the improv side of things where it is about the audience because I'm doing this to make them laugh. I want to make people laugh and that should be, in my opinion, that's my goal, <laughs> making these people laugh. And so um, I found that um, a lot of, sometimes I won't necessarily get the most laughs at a gig, but I'll get the most people come up to me at the end of a gig. And that's because I, I think a big reason for that is because I have them on side and improv is a big part of that because i i'm doing it for them <laughs> if i'm bombing i'm doing this for you no uh, but yeah i think that's a really interesting point it's kind of throwing me off a bit because that's so true it's really i've had like an epiphany ian um, but definitely i think that i like to think that's my kind of unique selling point and how much improvs helped me stand out from other comics because i think that if you get stuck in a rut of I'm no, I'm no expert. I've only been doing stand up for a few months, but I think I have seen a lot of comics who get stuck in this rut of blaming in the audience if they're not laughing. But if you're trying to make them laugh, maybe there's something that you should do, or maybe you're not for them. And I think that um yeah, improv is a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it really. I think that while I do have a set list and while I'm doing things for my own kind of relief and my own catharsis <laughs> and my own my own ego, my own reasons, um, I found that my best performance my best performances are when I interact with the crowd more and when they feel part of something, because that's why improv's fun for the crowd, right? Because if they throw out a suggestion and then it's used up on stage, they're having a great time. And um, there's like room for you to breathe as well, because, because you know, they're going to enjoy it because they're using your suggestion. It's great. Like if you're, and if you're chatting to the crowd, looking them in the eye and adapting yourself, if you're very quick on your feet and adapting your performance, even if you use the exact same set list, if you're adapting your performance to the crowd, it's more likely that you're going to have more successful gigs because you can read the room and I think that it's very easy to be inward to look down to not feel like you're present in the moment when you're talking to the crowd where I think there's definitely that balance of authority in the room but very much being part of it kind of like you're the manager in a restaurant (laughs) maybe that's what stand-up's like you're in the room you're present making sure everyone's a good time but you're in charge Um, so I think that's definitely the balance so like a lot of things in life the truth is the gray area in the middle And I think that's really interesting. And the thing about stand-up as well that is going to be different to music is that with music and you you play the songs, yes, you can do terribly. Uh, You can play badly. The audience might not like you, but the songs will always be there, like to stand on their own. Whereas with stand-up comedy, it will be different every night, no matter what you do. Even if you perform the same way, the crowd's going to be different. And I think that improv is a really good skill to have, to mould yourself to be able to deal with anything.
0: Yeah, something about the music there. So when I was in a band, what our band was sort of recorded was very different to what our band was live. We were only a three-piece and I would record pretty much all of the music myself and then the band would just play it live. And that came from something Freddie Mercury had once said. And he'd said, if people want to listen to the record, they can just buy the record. But he said, when they're coming to the show, They're coming for an experience, an experience that is special to them in that moment. And they would change their songs up a lot when they played them live. And it was a case of the songs that they were playing live were different to the records. And their set list would change a lot because they wanted to make every individual performance unique so that it was just for that crowd. And I think any kind of performance, that's why I love Pantomime when it comes to shows because pantomime it is a scripted show but every one of them is different yep yeah and with the comedy the difference as well about being up there as a stand-up to being up there with improvisers is generally a lot of the improvs do the improv stuff generally are are level you're not mic'd up Mm -hmm. but when you are standing in front of people and you have a microphone there is a certain amount of power that comes with that over the years Mm -hmm. I've I've had various um Jobs is different, uh, hosting different shows and, and oh. announce- being an announcer for various things. And as soon as I get a microphone in my hand, it brings me to life and it gives you a sense yeah. of power and it gives you a sense of confidence that you don't have without the microphone. So I think that really helps with the stand-up. But I'd like to get your take on that.
1: That's very true. So my favourite stand-up growing up, well, was Simon Amstel. Still, it's a look like Simon Amstel. And he has this joke that's... Um, the I say joke. It's it's not really a joke. It's the truth. Is he uh, says this is the the reason I do this. This is the only way I know how to speak to people. Raised and lit, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is exactly how I feel. I remember watching that at like fifteen. Which you shouldn't feel that way at fifteen, really. But I remember watching that about fifteen and thinking, me too. Even though I'd never been on stage, but I got what he meant. And with improv. I so in life I tend to monologue a lot and I tend to treat people MC in real life so I'll talk to people and not not in a, in a power way but because I I've had my own kind of struggles with like um, just emotional vulnerability I always kind of struggled in a group setting talking to people and I found that I find it so much easier to kind of perform like all the world's stage and find the funny in the situation and be the one holding the conversation for everyone not in a way that's like oh I'm the best in a way that's just like make everyone else feel relaxed so we can um calm down and it was I struggled to kind of be present in that moment and I took up improv because of that of like one of the many reasons and it's improv is about being part of a group uh, and uh think on your feet and, and like helping each other um within a scene and letting someone shine and knowing where your place is in that moment and I found that um, with stand-up comedy, there is that kind of like power with the microphone, um, which uh, really comes, It's even though it is um, it is a challenge a lot of the time, that kind of comes more naturally to me because it makes sense. Because it's like, okay, I'm on the microphone, you're the ones listening. I've even said to crowd members, hey, this is about me, listen. <laughs> um, and it has that hierarchy there. And I found improv challenging because you have to be part of that group. Mm. And... Um, knowing kind of where your value is in the scene because um, it's very it's much easier for me to kind of look for the joke in the situation as quickly as possible and um, have that kind of hierarchy and and power in in terms of like talking to people and it's been really helpful for me to have that because i think it's very easy for stand-ups to slip into the i am the most powerful person in this room i am important whereas i think if you have that improv skill of being part of a team so if I'm like the, the, if I'm a, if I'm the captain while I'm on stage and the audience members feel like they're part of the team, even though I'm still holding the authority, I think that's a really good balance. And I think that's going to like set you aside from everyone else. And obviously everyone has their own styles, but I found that um, I'm having an epiphany right now. Um, I found that that's where I fit in and that's kind of where my voice is and where I'm the best as a comic. Um, but definitely with improv, you don't have that kind of same power and, um, there's, but there is also a freedom in that, I think, because you have your team and you have the audience and it's all like communal and it's together and it's like lack of ego. Yeah. <laughs> and I really like that. And it's such a good balance and it's just fun, isn't it? Like if you bomb an improv, if you did not bomb, but if you don't get as many laughs as you want in an improv scene, it's still fun and there's that camaraderie and you're still going to have a good time pretending to be a, uh, I don't know, pretending to be a sparrow on stage who's talking to another sparrow. Whereas um, in stand up comedy, while it can be really rewarding because they're laughing just at what you're saying and it's really good and it's really like uh, big on the ego, when you do badly, it just falls on you. And it's there's not, you haven't got, you might have some camaraderie with other comics, but if they do well, they're not really going to care that you do badly, you know? And it's really, um, it's just a really healthy hobby to have.
0: (laughs) I think improv as well, it teaches you. To be okay with letting ideas go, and they may be great ideas, but you, yes. when you're in the moment and you're doing your, your set, you might mm-hmm. think, oh there's a great place to go," but then mm-hmm. something might happen. Someone might shout something out, and then mm-hmm. that idea goes. And some people will will chase. They want to get back to where they were, but yeah. but just being able to live in the moment. And there's many a scene I've been in when I think, "Oh, I'm going to say this," and then someone beats me to it, and it changes the entire direction. And you just have to say, "Okay, well, it doesn't matter what I was going to say. Let's go with your thing."
1: exactly exactly like I've had hecklers like I've uh yeah I've had a heckler in the past and I really wanted to kind of nail my material but because this heckler was so much I just went with that and it was quite a it was quite ended up being quite an important gig for me because I really kind of I really like laid into this guy but really went on went along with the ideas that he was like providing me with um because he he'd he'd just gone through a divorce, but he was like shouting at me. So I just kind of threw out what I was going to talk about, which was myself, and just started talking about him. And because I um and because I kind of made it clear that um it was the show was meant to be about me at the start, but this guy he's in the way. And because I had the audience on side, they didn't care that I wasn't doing material. They loved the fact that it was live and it was exciting in the moment. And I didn't really think about it, you know. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad comedian because you didn't stick to your script. It probably means you're a good one because you make people laugh. Um, in the moment, like you say, with improv, you're, you're throwing out the ideas and you're just being quick in the moment. And it's really exciting for the people because at the end of the day, no matter what some people want to say, no matter what people who theorize want to say, if people are laughing, it's funny. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. it. And it, that, that's the main thing. And that's what um, people are trying to achieve Um, whether that's improv whether that's stand-up comedy whether that's like a sketch show on tv but the difference between stand-up and improv is that there's so much more room to breathe in improv (laughs) and I found that it's so nice to have the improv skills to give myself that room to breathe in the stand-up like it's been so valuable and it's been genuinely life-changing yeah and I feel like I wouldn't be As near a good, people, for listeners here, I'm doing quotation marks. I wouldn't be as good a comic without the improv skills or it would be something, all the skills I've learned from improv, um, such as like throwing away an idea or um, thinking on my feet or um, like the new choices, like in the moment really quickly, I would have had to learn like on the job. (laughs) I would have learned these lessons way down the line. But the fact that I was able to do a six week course, feel ready to do stand up, then do a level two course, once I've already started stand up, alongside learning about that, it's been so valuable, and I'm so I'm very fortunate that we have like Liverpool Comedy Improv here. Um, but yeah, definitely. Now
0: let's just talk about hecklers for a second. So yes, <laughs> hecklers like no one likes hecklers. Like the audience don't enjoy hecklers. Mm-hmm. The performers certainly don't enjoy hecklers. Um, mm-hmm. And I think when it when it gets to the point where the act on stage has to turn it onto the heckler and sort of make them look the fool you Mm -hmm. know everyone's a winner in in that situation I think because the audience is satisfied even if they don't like the comedian particularly the fact that they were able to like stick it to the heckler I think they'll appreciate
1: yeah definitely definitely because like the only person to join themselves is the heckler but then when they get shut down they're, they're done they regret it do you know what i mean yeah. Or something just like the attention and there's often people think they're funnier than the person on stage or i don't know why they go to a comedy show to shout um but you're definitely right because everyone everyone wins in that scenario because the comedian can relax and the bar is quite low for what you have to say to a heckler in order to get a Ooh, or to get a laugh <laughs> people want to see you destroy this person um or for someone who, again, like I said, is like a four foot two Asian woman, um, <laughs> to be on stage um tackling like a middle-aged man, um, is quite uh powerful. So cause for me to say anything that shuts this man up is quite an achievement, really. Um because <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily expect it, especially when a lot of lineups are people are kind of middle-aged um white men, you know? Um yeah. so um for someone who you wouldn't necessarily think would be a stand-up comic, which is changing, like the 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 lineups are becoming more diverse but for someone like me who it's like brave enough to go out there on stage on your own for me to shut down this man like the audience will really be on your side and they'll they'll approach you about that like even if my material lands more than the heckle like shutdowns I get approached about people at the end of the show I get approached about how I dealt with hecklers and I think that um it's just a power move isn't it it's a power move like do you get many hecklers in um improv?
0: um i've not encountered many i remember one show where i i was watching and there was a guy in the audience he was shouting out a lot but he was more just very drunk
1: oh yes yes exactly and you can't exactly i guess if you're in a scene you can't exactly yeah you can't really like you can't really speak to them really can you
0: no yeah so it's a very different very different thing
1: but it's been really yeah which is really interesting because improv is such a good skill to have to deal with hecklers because you don't know what they're gonna say. Do you know what I mean? They could say anything, and uh if they don't like the fact that you're acknowledging them or the fact that they're um you're stopping the show and you're upset at them, then uh, they could really turn it on its head it could get nasty. It's not got too nasty with me, but it could it, it, and i'm I'm sure it will do one day <laughs> you know when people are really drunk or really don't wanna be there um so that's really interesting, yeah, and uh. Yeah, and so, because I remember chatting with someone when I first said I was going to do stand-up on my improv course, and the first thing she said was, this is going to be really good for hecklers, isn't it? Yeah. And, or even, like, any MC, like Paul Smith, who is the resident MC at Hot Water Comedy Club, like, him talking to the crowd, it just, it is improv. You know, it might not be an improv group, but he's improvising for comedy, like, on the spot. It's improv. Um, (laughs) And it's weird that it's bizarre that um, comedians say, as some comedians have said to me, that it would be more valuable for me to spend my like Wednesdays or Thursdays doing a gig um, than improv. But I actually found for me anyway, personally, that it's way more valuable for me to have a night off comedy to learn improv skills because I have so many epiphanies about, (laughs) I'm having epiphanies today even to be fair. I, I learned so many lessons about scenes and being in the moment. Like I had on the, we had a workshop the other day and we learned about listening and not jumping to the joke straight away and trusting the joke will happen and relaxing and being vulnerable and I found that as a comedian that's where I kind of fail sometimes I might like not even let the audience laugh and try and jump to the next joke but actually letting it sit um and listening to what maybe the audience is how they're responding to you or what they're saying to you when you ask them a question and um or even like a a really simple skill of if you ask an audience member what they do what hobbies have you taken up Juggling and just repeating what they're saying, juggling, so that you have that little bit of time to respond to that. Um (laughs) that was an actual conversation, the juggling was an actual conversation. I can't say what my response was on a PG podcast, but um that comes from a real gig. But the fact that and then in times where I've had gigs where my audience interaction didn't work, was I didn't know why it didn't work, but improv classes have really helped. So I realized, oh, I was being too confrontational, I didn't have them on side, or I jumped straight to what I thought the joke was rather than maybe give myself a split second to repeat what, what they're saying to me and work out what to say to them or have a conversation with them and let it lead to the joke and trust it's going to, trust the joke is going to happen. Like I'm doing standard because I know I can make people laugh. But then when you're on stage, you panic that you you can't do that. And I think that's when you get in your head But I found in real life, I can trust the joke will happen eventually. On improv, I can trust the joke will happen. There's no reason why you should rush when you're on stage doing stand-up.
0: Yeah, totally. And I just want to go back to something you said before about like a standard audience sort of being full of middle-aged white men. (laughs) And because I think what we need to throw in the mix as well is it's not just predominantly full of middle-aged white men. It's full of predominantly, I can't even speak, predominantly middle-aged white men that have had a drink and perhaps a few too many drinks mm-hmm. and it, it it sort of narrows their mind even more so as you said you're a small asian lady so you're gonna have a very different perspective on on life to them and people that have had a few drinks they often don't want to think beyond their very very narrow little mind mm-hmm. whereas i am someone so i don't drink alcohol so my mind is okay. always my mind is always free and if i had the choice between going to see you perform let's say I didn't know who you were but I saw a picture of you on the bill and then I saw sort of middle-aged white guy on the bill I would actually choose you and the reason I would choose you is because I would I would think oh that person is more likely to tell me about things that I'm unfamiliar with so I'm open to their wanting to know about perhaps life experiences that I haven't had Whereas if if I saw oh middle aged white guy he's probably more likely had a similar life to me so he'll just tell me things that I'm I'm sort of aware of but I would see you as oh you're probably going to offer something a bit different but alcohol narrows the mind even more I think.
1: That's so true, actually. It does. I think audiences are getting better. I think I am do a lot more gigs where there are um, like students, which is amazing. Or like, people, all, like girls and lads my age as well. So it just depends where you're performing. But I definitely agree um, because it's a new perspective, isn't it? Like even if you look at a lineup and I've had people imply that I've I've got a, I've got a role. What? <laughs> I've had people imply that I've got a certain gigs because I'm like an, a woman of colour or whatever you want to call it, because I'm a mixed race woman um but actually even if that was the case um which is not by the way (laughs) even if that was the case it's just offering a new perspective on the lineup adding some variety because at the end of the day it's it could be that 12 people with the same ability applied for the same spot but it could be that the the other spots are filled by people who have a similar life experience so it's nice to have someone add a bit of variety and i think maybe a good comedian is someone who, who is performing, like you said before, who's performing for the audience. Because I'm not, I'm performing to connect with people from my own individual perspective, rather than any half Filipino, half Spanish women who are from Leicester. Like I'm not, <laughs> there's very few of us. Um, so I'm not just performing for them. And hopefully if I am a good comedian, that's up to, that's up to, um, that's is it subjective or objective? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? One of the two. But if I, if I am a good comedian, then I will be able to connect with people who are from different walks of life. There'll be something in there yeah. for them to talk to. They'll laugh at how ridiculous some of my scenarios are um, because they haven't experienced it before. And I think that that's very true. And um, I think that um, a comedian who is only talking about their experiences in a way that people with the same... If, so if a comedian is talking about their experiences in a way that people with similar experiences... I can't string a sentence together today, apparently. Who, who knew that was what I did for a living? But well, I say a living, I'm not, I guess some paid gigs, but not loads. I'm, what am I talking about? I'm rambling, amazing, let's go, new choice. Um, <laughs> but if there's a comedian who is, say, let's say he's a, I know, a ginger boy called Aaron, who's 20 years old. And if he's only talking about his experiences as a ginger 20 year old, He's going to alienate the rest of the audience. Yeah. And if you're, and, but if he doesn't mind that because he's performing for himself, fine. But he might not connect to as many people. He might not get as many laughs. People might not want to see him. But if there's a comedian, but if I'm up there, um, let's say I'm doing well, but if I'm up there and I'm uh, performing in a way that is for the audience, for them to laugh, then of course there's going to be um, ways for them to connect, even though our life experiences are different. It's as simple as that, really. And yeah, and, but we've, stand up has been, Again, it is getting better, but stand-up has been like the same for so many years that we're so used to connecting to people like um, who, like Lee Evans, for example, who I love, uh, who I love. I know he's retired now, but he's amazing. But we're so used to his kind of perspective, talking about his life, his wife and kids. And Michael McIntyre talking about his wife and kids. I've never had a wife and kids, you know, but I still connect to their stuff. And I think there's no reason that for someone who doesn't look like that to be able to connect to uh, people who look like Lee Evans so if I can connect to Lee Evans I don't see why he can't connect with me
0: yeah, yeah. totally <laughs> and I think well first of all I didn't know Lee Evans had retired and I was saying just quite recently to a friend I was like why doesn't Lee Evans do anything anymore uh, so oh, there we go he's retired I didn't know <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> and
0: and then another thing there is I think a good comedian you come away from and you just remember how they made you feel you don't come yeah. away saying Oh that middle-aged white guy comedian or or that young asian lady you just come away thinking that good comedian so i think if you are a good comedian like everything else doesn't matter
1: exactly thank you yeah exactly and that's that's all people just want to laugh they're there to laugh you know and uh the people who um people who don't want to laugh because of what you look like are intolerant. Who knew? You to... <laughs> but the majority of people do want to laugh. Um, it's just when, like you say, a lot of the time when people have had a few drinks, they become way more narrow minded, you know? Um, or they um will they'll jump at the first joke, you know, if they feel like they can make a joke, they'll shout it at you <laughs> rather than actually listen. Um but you know it's it's really interesting and it's a challenge and it's a challenge that improv really helps with like it really helps and I'm, I'm lucky to have that skill set um and I've, I encourage so many comedians to do improv because you know they, they they a lot of them say they struggle with talking to the crowd um or they um sometimes they tell me that they they love stand-up because um they struggle with their social life but for some reason it doesn't help because they just make friends with comedians well funny enough improv might help you you know like connect with people um yeah and I found that people on my improv course I know some of them were um I know one person is like a, is a scientist and he started improv because, um, <laughs> shout out to Liam, he started improv because he does talks and he's fine doing talks in front of a crowd of people. But when it came to the Q&As, he got really nervous and found it hard to think on his feet. And then by the end of the course, he found that improv really helped with that. You know, awesome. so it's as, simple, it's as simple as that, really. And on my first lesson, I remember Jen Hardy, um, she said that improv improves all areas of your life. And um, I think that's very true. <laughs> it
0: definitely does. Uh, you mentioned something earlier really about references and people's references. I do think yeah. references are important, and e- particularly in improv. And I say this because my girlfriend Seki, she grew up in the Philippines, and, and... although her like general pop culture knowledge is incredible. Mm-hmm. There's times when I'll throw in a random reference, I don't know, to, like, Maid Marian on Her Merry Men, a children's TV show from the 90s that I loved, and she'll just, like, look at me blankly, like, I don't know what that is. Or the other day, I was in more of an international online improv jam, and we were doing the game I, I Am a Tree, do you know that game?
1: Yes, yes.
0: And we'd got to the point where someone said, I am a little ant, and I came on and said, I am a little deck, and only the British people <laughs> knew what I was talking about. And then later on... In- <laughs> later on in the scene uh, i made a reference to rainbow the old show rainbow and i could see all of these these foreigners just like what what's that and i'm having to explain and i'm just like oh yeah references are definitely uh you need to think about them when you're improvising with with people that didn't come up from the same background as you Mm
1: -hmm. yeah definitely that's a good that's a very good point but i think the the deck stroke is excellent i love it um (laughs) but um (laughs) but no yeah definitely and I think as well because you might say it in the moment and then um it doesn't land and you have to recover quickly or it could be like I have a bit about my accent and how I watched a lot uh one of the reasons might be because I watched a lot of CBBC growing up but it could be if there's an audience who don't know much about CBBC they'll be like what what this what's why would her accent why would watching kids tv affect her accent and i go oh, i watch a lot of tracy beaker and that joke lands very differently based on the crowd because if people haven't watched tracy beaker they won't know that they sound like this on that show <laughs> um <laughs> or um it could even be that people a lot of people don't know what a leicester accent is um so um i used to say oh i'm from leicester but i watch it C- but i but i watch cbbc because a leicester accent isn't actually like this <laughs> it's a lot more kind of It's middle of the country, do you know what I mean? Um, So I I had to change that because I had to change it to, like, the fact I live in the north of England, so my accent stands out, rather than, well, I should sound like this from Luster, but actually I sound like this. It's just, well, you know, I watch a lot of CBC. I live in the north of England. Um, Or sometimes I'll just say I sound like an instruction manual because that's universal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's very true, and it's about adapting, isn't it, to your audience, and once once you've done it enough, um, you can – instantly like it's almost becomes like a knack like knowing which version of the joke to tell um yeah. when you're in the room and that being present in the room and and feeding off the crowd and and being really receptive to them is the only way to get that whereas if you kind of go on stage and like press pl- as if you're pressing play and then do your set press stop you're not going to be receptive to that and you're not going to be able to pick a version of the joke and um change the acts based on the crowd um so definitely basically check your references and to have backup
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's interesting that you mentioned your accent as well because i think you have quite a neutral voice like you can't listen to your voice and pinpoint where you're from and that's what people say about my voice people can't tell where i'm from people don't know that i'm welsh when they listen to my voice
1: Mm, that's a good point
0: um but i think it's good are you good at accents by any chance because i think neutral voice people are good at accents generally
1: i wish i was I would I'd be I'd be so powerful if I was but no sadly <laughs> not. But you do you do accents
0: I do accents all the time I love accents
1: I made you do it in improv oh uh,
0: yeah uh in fact I do accents more than I use my own voice I think I love to give every character like a real sort of that's accent so interesting.
1: and but that, that's the thing about improv as well Those character isn't it whereas yeah people stand up is character but um I'm I don't really have an imagination This <laughs> it sounds it sounds ridiculous <laughs> but I have n- my imagination is ridiculous I can't think of I had to think of a new room in my head that I've never been in before I couldn't do it like I'm blocked and improv has been like my first few lessons were so challenging because I couldn't think of a scenario I'll just like be waiting think, I, I know I'll I be I, I even now I when I have an improv class I sometimes still go blank um but I'm, I'm good at responding but I'm not very good at um just thinking of scenarios, thinking of characters, thinking of things. So a lot of my comedy just comes from myself. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess there's no need for accents at the moment. Maybe if I did an impression of my mum, but I don't know what people think about that. Um but <laughs> so uh which is kind of the opposite of improv because even though you could say it's, it's a version of myself and a character of myself, for me personally, it's no more a character than say when you're um when you've got like a telephone voice, for example. Right. I'm not um I definitely everything I say was at least true once you know if I'm talking about a version of myself it's like oh this thing is how I f- feel it could have been I don't feel that thing anymore but I did once and I'm taking from yeah. that emotion I'm taking from like a real place whereas improv you can you got to pull from different characters and I found that that's quite um I found it really difficult but it's a skill that I'm really trying to like harness and learn um because uh, I just need to open my mind a bit and like I always say you know how you use 10% of your brain? Yeah. <laughs> I always say improv has given me like an extra like 3%. Like it's just <laughs> opened my mind, which is amazing. Um...
0: <laughs> See, I think when I'm in scenes, I have kind of the opposite issue. Whereas my Ooh. imagination is so overactive that I, I have to stop myself because I'm like, other oh, people need to get involved and take turns. I shouldn't be dominating. So I, I, have, I have to sort of pull myself back sometimes and rein myself in.
1: So interesting. Maybe we should do a scene together one day.
0: Yeah, I, w- I would definitely love that. I do or you hope... could heckle me. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I do hope to get to some of the LCI in-person sessions moving forwards. probably more towards the summer, just because my, my schedule is pretty rammed right now. But um, I definitely I, I miss going to those LCI in-person sessions.
1: Oh, brilliant. Definitely. Cause it's, and it's fun, isn't it? i like, yeah. I've not done a drop in yet, but I need to, and I will at some point because it's just playing, I think riffing. <laughs> it's like you see people are just like band like jamming in a band, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, totally, especially when you go to just a drop in and you don't know who's gonna be there, and you you don't know you don't know what that night is gonna entail, you don't know the sorts of minds that are gonna turn up, and so you don't know what journey you're gonna go on until it happens.
1: Yes, exactly, and you don't know. And you, you always. Come, I always used to, because I'm quite busy too. Like, you, like yourself, um, it's not, it's not a competition, but you know, we're we're busy people. Um, it because I'm quite busy as well. Um, I always start improv knackered because I've had a long day or a long week, but I always come out really energized. You know, no matter no matter how much sleep I've had, no matter what I've eaten or anything, I just come out really energized and like pumping because uh, we've achieved something.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, and it is. It- Food for the soul, I think, because when you are tired and you go into it you're like, oh, do I want to go today? I'm not sure I've got it in me. And then you come out and you're like, oh, that was such a good session. I had such a good time. It is food for the soul.
1: Like, you know, going to the gym, you never regret going to the gym. It's just getting there. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, true. Because I guess we are still training muscles. It's just different types of muscles, training our funny muscles.
1: Yeah. And Honestly, like when my course ended, I hadn't had any improv for a few weeks. And I found that even on stage, I was struggling more than when I was doing improv because I wasn't training those kind of quick muscles. There was, I had work and I had stand up, but I wasn't like giving myself freedom to just think on my feet without having an audience in front of me. But just my improv troupe practicing because um, and that really it is like training for a, <laughs> like training for a football match or something. You know, you, you can go and play as many football matches as you want to, but you've still got it. It's quite helpful if you stretch beforehand. It's quite helpful if, you know, go on a jog. And that's what improv is to me, and I I love it very much. And it's such a such a warm environment, you know. It's just it's like a safe space, <laughs> which sounds which is such a cliche, but it is like a safe space to be silly, to play, and to just make each other laugh, you know, with no with kind of very little ego attached to it. And it's it's there's honestly nothing like it. Like you can't comp- like you can compare it to other things, but there's nothing in life at all that's like it, because it's just so special. And it's amazing that LCI is happening and they're having so many like um, like beginner sessions and drop-in sessions. And it seemed, I hadn't heard of any improv things before I looked it up, but it seems like it's something that's growing in Liverpool, at least, at least in Liverpool anyway. Um, and I think that's amazing. And um, if maybe it could be that people are doing the same thing as me and like they struggle in lockdown and they want to make friends or they want to get interacting with people again. But if one good thing comes out of any of that, it's really like improving people's lives. And it's just so clear to see, like I remember we had an improv show that I think you came to. So when I first met you in person, like the improv show, the Boss Birds improv show. And everyone there was just open for a chat. Like you can go up to anyone and it was like catching up with an old friend. And I loved it. I loved it so much. And the fact that we could do that in a really nice setting, um, like X, months after a lockdown it was so lucky like we're so lucky to have this it's like the opposite of being trapped in a room on your own <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think improv in many ways uh, it's having a bit of a renaissance and it's because people have come out of the pandemic and as you said earlier people are struggling to connect people mm-hmm. some people have been very isolated and they don't know how to talk to people again they don't have the confidence to and improv is a way in to integrating back into society and. I think lots of terrible things came from the pandemic obviously yeah. but for some people the discovery of improv in that time
1: mm-hmm.
0: has has been something that they'll be eternally grateful for
1: yeah and I honestly don't think I would have started the stand up without having done the improv genuinely like it I moved to Liverpool 6 years ago because I wanted to be where in the near the northwest comedy circuit So I I did my degree in Liverpool to kind of be near there. (laughs) Um, And I hadn't started stand-up until after my improv course. Six years it took for me to start stand-up. And that's because of improv, you know. And uh, people kind of, I booked a gig in, but um, someone on my improv course also pushed me to do an open mic, you know, really encouraging environment. And they knew I was capable because of how I was in improv and because of the way they encouraged me. And I genuinely don't know where, I don't know where I'd be without it, you know, it's so bizarre to think. And if I ever make it in the standard world, I'll definitely like have improv to thank. Even like where I am right now, which is just like a mid spot circuit comedian, <laughs> I'm exactly where I am because of improv. And I found that I'm doing, I could I could not get gigs in the next few months, who knows, but I'm doing relatively well for a newbie. And I really think I have improv to thank for that. Like it's given me that skill set and it's made me feel ready. You know, there are some things I didn't have to learn on the job because I have improv. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, something you said there you said when you make it like as far as i'm concerned you've made it you're doing what you love to do you're making people yeah, laugh and so you're enjoying so it true. you you have made it
1: that's so true though that's the dream like all i wanted was to i remember when i was at uni all i wanted was to play hot water and make people laugh two things that i get to do do you know what i mean i'm so lucky and that's so true because it doesn't matter no matter how much money you make whether you're on tv or whether you play um comedy clubs every day every night i the, the results still the same making people laughing in the evening and I get to do that so often you know and the um people um and I get to connect with people as well because making people laugh is one thing but also people saying they're related to what I have to say and that's the dream do you know what I mean oh I feel so happy um, <laughs> but genuinely yeah that's so true and if if um like if the 13 14 year old me who had no friends watching live the Apollo could see me now like with the, these amazing mates, like my improv mates are probably some of my best friends in ever. Cause we just we kind of we got so lucky with the troop we had. We like we really like connected and we started a WhatsApp group on the first day. <laughs> um some of my best mates ever. And then I get to um I'm lucky to have a job I love, which is great. And then I get to like, make people laugh in the evening um and people like chat to me, like you know, and, and say they relate to me. As someone who felt like an outsider growing up, I'm so lucky. It's made it. We live wow. in the dream, Ian. We are in the dream.
0: You know? <laughs> so we are running down on time a bit, but there is a couple of things I haven't asked that have come to my head. Oh. So I will just fire them out quickly. When it comes to writing a comedy set. Yes. How did you learn that skill? Did you go to classes? Did you read about it?
1: So as I said, I've, I've always wanted to do stand-up. So ever since I was a teenager, and um, I, so I just try and make people in school laugh. And I'd go home at the end of the day and just think to myself, okay, what worked, what didn't, what worked, what didn't. And then over time, so it's really, it's actually ruined a lot of personal relationships. Um, because, so I'd, even in conversation, it'd be, okay, I'd be speaking to someone and, and just chatting. And if I wasn't making them laugh, I'd feel like, oh, I'm losing them, I'm losing them, what, need to, what do I need to say? And then over time, it's kind of like how it works in stand-up in general, but this is how I did in real life. I, I just developed a knack. Of like what made people laugh so i'd be chatting with my friends and then um we'd just have a conversation i'd say something or make them laugh and um i'd kind of know the kind of thing that is funny you know and, and what's funny to me like i sometimes have a shower and i'm thinking about something that's happened i'll just like laugh to myself and it just becomes that knack and um, knowing kind of where certain lines are certain people etc of course i sometimes bomb in real life but in real life you don't have to be funny so that's fine And then over, I used to, when I first came to Union, I first thought I'd do stand-up before I bottled it. I would write things down as like a script. But then I found that I never wanted to perform that because I thought it was rubbish. So I didn't do stand-up. I didn't write. And then since then as well, I continued kind of developing that knack of what's funny, that kind of knee-jerk reaction, all that um, kind of what scenario is. like The formula for my own sense of humour is kind of like, I don't know for me anyway I found that I like to shock people with something that's very true that they can't argue with <laughs> and so um uh, that's kind of what I found make people in my life laugh or when I'm chatting with my friends makes me laugh like I laugh on my own just laughing it's funny like if, I, if there's something in my life that's so ridiculous I laugh at it I would have used I'll just tell my friends the same thing and they'll respond the same way and so when it comes to writing stand-up what it is, is I, have, I wish I could show you, actually. I have a big whiteboard um, and I'll just write down topics that, I've just, that I think are funny that I've said to my friends. So things that I've said in conversation with my friends, I'll write down that I thought are funny or even things I've just thought of in my head. I'm constantly, it is actually exhausting. I'm constantly on. So in my head, um, if I'm not with anyone, if I'm not, talk, if I'm not talking to anyone, I'll constantly be thinking of things that I think might be funny or think are funny or just scenarios in my life. Um, and it is actually exhausting it's a bit of a burden to live with the raw the raw talent Ian no <laughs> so, um, so constantly thinking about it and then I'll write on my whiteboard and then sometimes I'll just leave it if I can't think of anything else uh, but if I have time in the evening if I'm really when it comes to material now that I do stand up what I'll do is I'll look at the whiteboard see what topics I've put up and then I'll go onto another smaller whiteboard <laughs> and then I'll kind of turn it into bullet points like whatever's funny about that scenario or even just like things around it and then I'll kind of like think about it and then I'll like say it like I'll make sure I bring it up in conversation to my friends again and if that kind of laugh makes them laugh not even as not in a sense of oh this is what I want to say in my stand-up is it funny I'll just say it to my friends because I like to be quite conversational um Insane, which is which could be one reason why I get quite a few hecklers to be fair another reason is because I'm quite chatty and I'm quite I don't the way I talk I'm a lot less rambly <laughs> than I am in <laughs> real life but I talk like I'm I don't I'm not I talk as if not like I'm doing a speech but just like I'm talking to a normal person
0: yeah
1: um and so I'll turn that into bullet points so um it could be I don't know. living alone um my friend says I have too many cushions and I'll be like okay alone cushions my friend, she also said to me um, that it was nice to have loads of cushions because she has a boyfriend. There's no room for cushions for two of them. And because I'm alone, It's great. I have cushions because I have room for it. So I put alone cushions. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't didn't mean it in a bad way at all as well, but it just makes me feel like a loser. It's ridiculous. And it it was something that genuinely ruined my week because I take the thing that's like painful because the most painful things are the funniest sometimes because people can relate to the ridiculousness of it. The fact that my friend telling me I had too many cushions, my mental health was so bad that I ruined my week. It's funny because people have had ridiculous scenarios like that, you know. We've all had the one thing that tipped us over the edge irrationally. But then I'll, I'll, I'll list out that thing and I'll think, hey, what can I say in response to this on stage? Oh, you know, I just wanted lower back support while watching Corey. So lower back support. And so I'll kind of have it into like, I wouldn't write out line for line, um, but I'll kind of have like bullet points. And then if I have time, I'll film myself doing like a five minute set And that'll be the first time I'll say it. I'll structure it as a sentence. So I'll film myself doing a set and then I'll see how that works. And if I find that works, great. If it doesn't work, I'll just perform it on the night and structure it, whatever comes naturally. So it's kind of like some people have like a a, a good writers and I'm not a good writer. I'm a funny person. There's a difference. And some of the good writers and they can like write a script out and keep working on that. But I have to just have the ideas laid out and then turn it into like a conversational piece um and then a piece <laughs> I turn it into a conversational piece and then just try it out on stage and it's as simple as that really i don't really have much of a process apart from having a whiteboard which i recommend to everyone um yeah so basically i just yeah just whatever comes to my head either on my own or usually to my friends and i found that if i'm not hanging out with my non comedian friends um i'm also weaker as a stand up so if i'm if i'm overworking myself I found that I just kind of detached, I feel detached from what I'm talking about, like I detached from my own life and then I don't perform as well. I'm knackered. And so if I'm speaking to my friends who aren't comics, I'm just talking to them about my life and the funny things just come out, you know, because that knack I developed as a teenager is that comes out rather than me kind of learning to be funny, like knowing I could do it and learning to be funny on the job. It's more kind of harnessing what I know I can do into a performance um and it's just yeah so I feel like I have the um I feel like I have the natural ability but I'm still so new that I'm still working on that skill you know what I mean like the skill of performing the the kind of backup things and improv is one way that's really backed up that skill and um I'm trying to kind of harness the writing and have more of a kind of method of it but at the moment it's just a lot of bullet points
0: (laughs) ah cool it's sort of that's I think that's a bit how my brain works as an improviser but yes. I just, I just don't write it down. Like you told me the thing about your your friend and the cushions, and instantly my brain said, "Oh, at least she was trying to cushion the blow."
1: <laughs> I like but, that.
0: So, I think that process yeah. that you're talking about with your jokes, I think that's a similar process my mind goes through when in an so sense
1: that makes so much sense because so many, There's a, I meet a lot of comics every day and they're, they're all wonderful for so many different reasons. Some of them are not so wonderful, but a lot of them are great. Um, and they have completely different process. Everyone has a completely different process, but mine is definitely a lot more similar to yours An improviser. Like, but it's, um, just about me <laughs> and I just, I keep, I hang on to the thought, whereas with improv, it's just on the night, you know, yeah. um, where I just kind of write it on a whiteboard. <laughs>
0: because for me i got into improv yeah at a time when i had been considering stand-up but for me my brain capacity and learning sets and all that kind of stuff i was like oh i favored the improv because i didn't want the pressure of having to remember things because i you yeah. know i have a pretty stressful job and it was hard to remember things uh so that's why i sort of went the improv route and i'm very pleased that i did
1: Oh, brilliant. I mean, and stand-up's always there. You never know. You might want to try it out. Um, Like, I always encourage it because once you've done one gig, you know whether you want to do it. Do you know what I mean? You'll know. Um, But yeah, but stand-up's always been, because it's, I don't know how you feel about improv, but for stand-up, it's never been like, oh, I would like to do that. It's always been like, this is my personality. This is how my brain works. I struggled with it. Do you know what I mean? Like I struggled with how my, like constantly not being, not being able to connect with people because you're looking for the joke in a situation. Someone's trying to be vulnerable. I'll just snap into it. That's not, it's not fun really. <laughs> it's just difficult. And so um, it was always like, this is my personality, even as a teenager. And I was like, that, this is what I should be doing. That makes sense for this. It was never like, oh, that's fun. I would love to do stand up and be on stage because I should learn how to do that. It was like, well, stuck with this. That's the job for me that'll happen. And here we, here we are now, you know, <laughs> um, and it's just about that kind of na- again, like that na- natural ability and knacking it. And I'm sure improv similar, like I'm sure, because if that's how your brain works, I'm sure for you as well, when you were learning improv and starting out, it was about harnessing that natural ability of how your brain works yeah. and really channeling it. And I think that's when it's the most rewarding. Like even if people don't feel, don't go into comedy or improv, um, for the same reasons as we do, um, I think that if our brains work that way anyway, it's just way more rewarding, <laughs> you know, because it's like, oh wow, yes, this makes so much sense. Um, yeah. Cushion the blow. That's still, that's still making me laugh. You <laughs> okay, know, but like, yeah. And it's like different senses of humor as well, which you can appreciate because I can't, because I have no imagination. I can't think of jokes like that. <laughs> I just think it's the most real, do you know what I mean? I just go, well, yeah. you know, I'm. you'll say I'm lonely. I just that's not what I was going for but thanks Charlotte do you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> and she, she appreciates being in my sets. that friend um, I was like cool and uh, one time she was actually there which is also a good bit of improv uh, one time I did that joke and she was in the audience and I realized while I was saying it I was in my head I'm like wait a second she's here and I went she's here look like she's kind of, like there she is How, what were you thinking and that got a bigger laugh than the actual joke and it was so much fun <laughs> moment because everyone it was so unexpected and they'll only ever happen while she was there that one night and the audience felt part of it because they could look at her and go Haha, um yeah you were right but no <laughs> i love it so i love it so much um and i'm glad that i'm just glad we have these hobbies and things to keep us ticking along
0: <laughs> one last thing i wanted to ask before we finish was you said before you're like a mid-card comedian now which <laughs> is a very impressive thing but i want to ask How quick was the process of going from someone that was just turning up, doing open mics to being someone that was actually being asked, hey, do you want to be on this card?
1: You know what? It was it was quicker than I thought. Um, But I think that's probably a testament to like me being very social and improv and lots of things. So I started in November. Um, so kind of my open mics and I had, um, do you know, beat the frog, um, I'm, if for people, for listeners who don't know what that is, it's a competition in Manchester. So it's a big room at the frog and bucket comedy club and you could win progression, but I booked that in as my first gig in November, 20, November, end of November, uh, 2021. And I also booked the hot water new at night, which was a 10 minute slot. And I had that in January, but so I booked those in, in September and then I started stand up early November, and I just had, like, um, open mic nights. It was all open mic nights, or, like, if my friend was running, like, a free night or something, um, he might say, he he would go, I want to do five minutes, cool, Um, but then I had my first, um, so November to January, part of, if you mind, is Christmas and COVID and stuff, November to January, basically open mic nights, had my new act night, mid-January, at Hot Water, and that went really well, like, the 10 minutes went really well, and then, that and then I had another one the week after that as well because I had a free slot, a free spot. So I did that one again, and then I used the clips of those to apply for slots. Um, so kind of like from maybe like February ish, um, that's when I started putting like reels and clips out on the internet. So I put a beat the uh, frog and bucket set, a five minute set up. Um, or I turned some of my like live performances into like TikToks and reels. Yeah. And then that's when kind of offers started coming in. And I had like a book basically fully booked-up march, which is insane to say, like which is wild to say someone who's been doing this for so such a short amount of time. So probably about December, so January, about three months it took for me to go from open mics only to kind of having a fully booked-up month, which is no time at all. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, and it could stop. I could not get any offers for a while or not. But it was a lot of, I think, um, I think you'll go from open mics to kind of new slots, like new act open slots quite quickly. But I think it's very hard to go from like the middle slots, where, which I'm crawling my well into. So I don't know if you know how it works, but on a comedy line of a comedy club or any kind of most shows, usually there'll be a like a paid opener. Um, so that's quite an established act. And there'll be like middle spots, so two spots probably in the middle, which sometimes they're free, sometimes are like a lower fee of like new acts. And then they'll end on the headliner with like the breaks in between. And so I'm kind of crawling my way into the middle slots at the moment. Um, some paid, some unpaid. Um, and then um, I'm actually doing Landudno no soon. It's a fun fact. Nice. <laughs> I know my, my highest fee yeah, 25 quid, which is a two pound <laughs> a minute. I'm just saying, going up in the world, but <laughs> uh, middle slots. And so... I think going from middle slots to opening and headlining is the bit that takes, could take forever. Cause a lot of people are kind of not stuck in because it's a wonderful place to be, but in that kind of same loop of the same middle slots or just gigs from people they know. Um, But if you're kind of good and you're new, people will want to have you in the middle slots because like they're usually unpaid, but then the more good unpaid ones you do, the more kind of you'll get recorded and the more paid people want to pay you for a middle slot. So I'm kind of like in that kind of like zone of like paid and unpaid middle spots. Um so basically no time at all but I think that it's fast because I start I think my I think it's hard to explain to people who don't know about improv and I don't realize like who because so many stand up say to me oh, but the only way to learn is like, the only way to get better is to do gig, which is true to an extent, but there's other ways you can get better. And my starting off point is a bit higher than most stand-up starting off points because I spent 10 years with learning the knack of finding the funny and because I had my improv course. So while it was three months, it wasn't three months from knowing that I wanted to do stand-up. I realized that like a decade ago. <laughs> so like a decade of like trying to harness my own personality to it. And then... Um, x weeks of a course while doing a course so three yeah three months but from a good sign off point um and then it, but it's going to be different for everyone because I'm quite I'm happy to be quite social as well and so um if if I get on with someone and they're running a gig and they know I've done well at another gig they'll be happy to have me on or um I'll ask I'll ask the gigs as well I'm quite happy to email and ask I have no shame <laughs> 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 or um Yeah, but it's just where those first kind of few messages and emails, like asking for gigs that I haven't even like asked for or knew about was just such a nice feeling. Like, even if that's kind of like the as much as my career, as far as my career goes, that's such a nice feeling for someone to have seen a clip of you online, to know this works, for someone to have put you forward for a gig. um, It's amazing. And so I'm very lucky um So basically, a few months. <laughs> Long story short, a few months. Um, yeah, so it's definitely um, it's definitely been a journey, and I've definitely been gigging a lot. Like I did have a couple of few weeks off for burnout because it gets to the point where you're you're getting book gigs, but then you're also doing the open mics, and you're not stopping. You're also doing improv, and you're also trying to have a social life, and you're working full time. So I definitely had I two weeks solid just no gigs because I couldn't. I was pushing myself too far, and it doesn't. It won't improve as a comic because you'll go on stage you'll be tired and you won't deliver anything good you just won't it won't work um so yeah, yeah it's just, it's been a journey and it's been it's challenging at some points and even last week I had a gig that just went horribly but then like last night I had a gig which was lovely <laughs> um so and funnily enough the gig that I got the gig I got asked to do went really well because they knew what my I was asked okay. to do it, so they kind of knew what they were in for, you know? Whereas the gig that went terribly was like a, a beat the frog. Um, so it was like 15 acts on and enough time for me to get in my head, you know? And where you are in the lineup is, is just as important to your performance as your performance sometimes, you know? Yeah. Because you could fall if a really low energy act follows a really high energy act, it might just fall flat, but it could be that if you're a really low energy lineup, you probably don't want to end with a high energy headliner you know and so for someone to have the consideration of where you are on the bill could really help your performance but if you go to an open mic night it's random you're on at the end people want to go home after 20 acts you probably won't do well you probably won't reach your potential you know
0: yeah and I think with putting the things on Instagram yeah I I think that that is a great way because I haven't seen you live but I've seen all of your things on Instagram. I, I, I follow you on Instagram and I take the time. I love the videos you post. I find them very enjoyable. And I think that's a really great way to draw attention to yourself.
1: Definitely. And you know why improv helps as well and like a crowd where I can talk to them because I do put some of my material online in bits of it, but most of the time, my default is to put the improvised bits on or the crowd when I talk to the crowd online yeah. because they're not going to get that again. And so it's not a wasted bit. It's not a wasted clip. You know, and they, they can see your ability, they can see you're funny, but it's not something that it's not a joke that let's say a clip does really well and someone follows you based off that of clip and they come to see you, it won't be something they've seen again. Um, so that's why um I always make sure I improvise at least a bit on a on a on a set because um because I love it <laughs> and that's my safe space of being funny, because if I'm a bit like nervous, I'll jump to the crowd. Um, but because when you're filming it for Instagram it's surreal and it's it's there and it's out for the world and you don't have to worry about not having to not being able to use it again and it's really it's been really really handy for me and the fact that like sometimes someone will see me on instagram and i'll do a terrible gig but they'll go hey but i know you're good so we can come back you know it's really helpful to have that in your back pocket and i think especially in 2022 when you're promoting yourself so much um so much and it's so fast and um No, and while people are going to live comedy, they might not want to spend um a five on something they don't know. But if they can like quickly, they'll look up the lineup. They'll um they'll look at the lineup, and that's if they search my name, they'll see a fifteen second clip. They'll quickly watch that. They might go, (laughs) and then they'll be excited (laughs) to come to the show, and they'll be like on board. And then I've had people kind of do that. They've looked up lineups on Instagram, and then they've come up to me at the show and go, "Oh my god, it's like meeting a celebrity!" Even though all I did was put a clip up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So definitely. So I'm really glad that you see those. It makes me. I really. Uh, the clips seem to do quite well, which is really fun for me. Um. It's really nice to see, especially those. Um. It's nice to have those like quick interactions to have with audience members. Um. Online as well for me to look back on because it's so much fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and also very quickly, it was good to hear you talk, so matter of fact, about when you bombed, because oh, yeah. I think you know every great comedian has to bomb and the fact that even so early on into your career as a comedian you're just like yeah yeah it's fine I bombed then but then I didn't bomb the next one so it's all good I just think what a great attitude because some people would would be going great guns and then they'd bomb and then it would destroy them
1: yeah definitely comes from being a comedy fan I think growing up and reading autobiographies um because that I because I thought that I'd be bombing for much I thought it'd be bomb 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 until you get good but I didn't realize I'd be like it's actually an up and down trajectory um so I, I was like prepared for reading like Michael McIntyre's autobiography who for listeners of the podcast I always joke he's my dad because I look just like him <laughs> 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 but <laughs> look me up Melina Field full stop comedy um but no so um yeah so reading his autobiography and knowing he had bad gigs but then he became the most successful comedian in the world it just it kind of puts it gives you that perspective just like reading about comedy from such a young age um, and also seeing my friends bomb, you know, they do, re- I know how good they are, but then I've seen them do the exact same material to a different crowd, do horribly, you know, so you just have to kind of like not care. No, not care, you should care or use it as a learning experience, you know. Yeah. Oh, I bombed, I did badly because I I did this wrong, you know, or for example, I can look back at a performance and go, even that was my fault, I was tired and I wasn't on my A game or oh, I missed jokes, it didn't flow seamlessly. And I found that it's, if you kind of, I recently listened to the audio book of Ego is the Enemy before I started stand-up, <laughs> which was very helpful. I still have my own ego issues. I am a stand-up, you know, but it's uh, the main crux of that book is if you have your ego and feel entitled to certain things based on nothing, you're not going to get anywhere and it will catch up with you. Whereas if you kind of treat every kind of bad experience, every bomb, for example, every bad gig, as a learning experience, you'll get to where you want to be um, the right way because based on merit, based on working, because... I'd rather, I'd rather get this because every Queen's dream is live in the Apollo, right? <laughs> Let's say live, I'd rather get live at the Apollo after doing badly and learning from it and building up an act, you know, rather than do really well, get to live at the Apollo and get good gigs after that, but then crumble, you know, because there, there'll be another challenge. Yeah. Whereas at least if you kind of build up that skill set and learn from the bad gigs and not take it too personally. And accept that you are flawed, accept that you can do a bad performance, work out where you go wrong and uh, learn, you know, like any skill, like, do you know what I mean? Like, like I said earlier, like I've got the, I know as the one thing I, I've, I've always had confidence issues, but the one thing I've always been certain of is having that natural ability. It's the skill that I need to learn. And you're not going to learn that skill unless you do badly sometimes. And I'm, I'm happy to, you know, and I'm happy to learn the hard way as long as there are some good gigs, good gigs in between sometimes. <laughs> Well there's sometimes good gigs, I'll be happy. If it's all bad, I need to kind of rethink my act. Uh,
0: (laughs) So what you're saying is just don't be too emotionally attached to what you're doing.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Or even, yeah. Or I guess it's tricky because I like to feel the high highs as well. But I think it's like I feel quite emotionally attached to what I'm doing, but it's more like it's because you don't want to be like when they're laughing, you don't want to feel disconnected to them. You want to accept that too. Yeah. I think that it's more kind of. Feel the, an improv friend actually told me this, funnily enough, is like feel that kind of, when I I used to be a bit more upset about it, but it's like feel that pain, but use it to kind of like power you through it as a lesson and use that to power you through the next one, through the next performance, which was a really nice kind of tip. So if there is any emotion you feel, take that. And if you're disappointed with how you performed, don't like wallow in it, but go, okay, I was disappointed in that and that's okay. But I can improve this, I can feel better next time because what I did wrong, I know where I went wrong, and I can change that. And then you might go wrong in another way, but then you use that as a learning experience. And then all these kind of little bits of uh doing wrong, these Lego pieces of going wrong, you fix each of them individually. And then, like by the time you kind of reach a certain that, that important performance, all the kind of pieces will be in place and you'll just have a lovely Lego house of, of right. <laughs> Hopefully, that's the theory anyway, you know? That's what it takes because like, I've got three performances filmed of the same joke performed in different ways. And it's so interesting because it's my favourite joke of my set. I won't spoil it. It was my favourite joke of my set, but um, it took me about two months to get it right because I didn't know where the, where like there was one word and I didn't know where it would fit. And I used to say it way too conversationally. Like I'd like slip it in, but then actually it was actually a bit more of a reveal. (laughs) And it took two months of keep doing it, it not landing quite right. And I was always disappointed, but I knew like deep down that this joke could be like the one. And then um, over time, it just got, got there. So feel the emotion, but know that you can get there if you work hard on it. Hopefully anyway.
0: <laughs> and that seems like a great place to end. So just before we go, do you want to tell people where they can find you online?
1: Yes, of course. So I have Instagram as the main place to find me. Um, it's Melina Field, full stop comedy because um I just like to have that separation. There's just a little, this you stand out. Um, give me a little follow. And then I also have a podcast. It's called Clueless, Clueless the pod. But if you follow my own Instagram, there's a little link tree to the podcast um all my upcoming gigs um and there's also some videos online of like one of my full sets um from the frog and bucket which you can give a little watch
0: awesome well there we go so everyone listening go check melina out online follower uh follower online follower in real life if you wish just go and turn up at some of her gigs i'm sure she'll appreciate it
1: <laughs> definitely
0: and it's been uh a joy to talk to you thank you very much
1: thank you for having me
0: Wow, thank you so much to Melina. I really, really enjoyed that chat and I hope that all of you enjoyed listening to it as well. It was a truly fascinating conversation and I was so engaged in it that I went way over my sort of sweet spot of time that I normally aim for, but I have no issues in running over the time because I think everything that was discussed in that chat was super, super interesting and I I think the fact that we were talking about the improv and the comedy and, and how they do go together when there are so many comedians that don't think they go together. I I hope that people got a lot from Melina's take on things. And I hope that from listening to that, not only have you enjoyed it, but perhaps you've come away with some extra tools for your tool belt, because I think discussing that process, the way Melina broke everything down and how she works out her comedy sets, I think it was really interesting. And I am delighted to have had the opportunity to put the spotlight on Melina today And hopefully you will check her out. If you've not come across her before, start following her on social media. Try to get along to some of her gigs because, believe me, you will not be disappointed. Now, if you are interested in getting into improv or are already involved in improv and want to try out a different improv scene, then all the info you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk. You can also check us out on Facebook by searching for Liverpool Comedy Improv and on Twitter and Instagram, we are at Improv. We do have a Facebook page for the show, so just put in Liverpool Comedy Improvcast on Facebook and you'll see the show. Follow us on there see the post that we're posting every thursday we post a trailer for the next episode and every monday we'll post links to where you can listen to the new episode if you are a member of the lci community and you'd like to be a guest on the show then please get in touch with me or with emma bird and we'll make arrangements as soon as possible don't forget if you are listening on apple or spotify then reviewing us on there leaving a five star rating will really help to boost the show and get our name out there If you want to check me out on social media, then you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. Just search for at Ian Luke Jones. And normally at this point, I'll say on my YouTube channel, you can uh, check out my weekly humorous moments and you can still do that. But I'm going to point out another video because at the time of recording, Um, We're a few days removed from hearing the devastating news that the Australian soap Neighbours is being axed after 37 years on our screens. Now I am a massive Neighbours fan, I have followed the show my entire life and I'm still reeling from that news. So the video I'm going to point you towards this week on my YouTube channel is for anyone that's ever seen an episode of Neighbours, anyone that follows it. Whether you follow it religiously like I have for these years or whether you're just aware of it or maybe you used to watch it and you got out of the habit, on my YouTube channel, if you find the playlist, Ian Down Under, it takes you back to my uh, trip there in 2019. And I sort of documented my travels around Australia for that uh, Easter period that I was there. And the final video in that playlist is called Everybody Needs Good Neighbours. And that is when I went and I did the neighbors tour and just had the most amazing day just being immersed in the set of of the show that I have spent my whole life watching. So I'm still processing how I'm going to sort of navigate the rest of my life without those good neighbors being there to help me unwind after a long day at work. Um, But watching that video filled me with great joy. I sort of sat there this morning and just watched it and thought, oh yeah, to be able to go and and do that was a great thing and I'm glad that I got to do it when I did because not long after that, the pandemic hit and life's been crazy and there would be no way of me getting out there and doing that before um, before the show was taken away from us. But it is there. So as always, there's loads of stuff on my YouTube channel. But if you're looking for something very specific uh, that you want to check out on my channel, look for Ian Down Under. Everybody needs good neighbours. Um, and I, I hope that you enjoy my little virtual tour of of what is soon to be no more. And that pretty much is it for this week. A massive thanks again to Melina. That was a great chat. And she's definitely somebody to keep an eye on moving forwards because she is going to be making a big splash in the comedy world and the improv world before you know it. Now, before I go, as always, here are some words that are wise, wise, wise. Always remember, whatever the situation, to treat life like improv and yes and.